This short code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at MedEdMedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code Podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. With me today in the studio and live streaming on our Facebook group, the Short Coat Student Lounge, it's MD, PhD student Aline Sanduk. Hey, thanks for having me. Welcome for the first time to the show, M2 Sarah Costello. Hello. Uh, and M2 AJ Chowdhury and M4 Emma Barr are literally phoning it in from various parts of the country. Uh, AJ's in Washington, D.C. and uh, Emma is in Washington State. But if you thought that was all, we do have a special guest in the studio. My colleague and friend to medical students everywhere, Writing and Humanities Program Director Kate DeCherry is here. She's going to help us talk about personal statements, one of the most annoying aspects of applying to medical school and residency. Uh, welcome, Kate. Thank you. It's a delight to have such an annoying component to my job. Hey, look, at least that's just... That's it's, not, just... it's not annoying for me. Let me just clarify. It's yeah, one of yeah. my favorite things. I get to chat with everybody. It's just terrible for them. Yeah, I mean, do you regularly get excited students coming to you saying, yay, I'm here to talk with you about personal Every statements? now and then. Really? But not regularly. <laughs> what, what's the, when people come in to talk about personal statements, what is the... Emma. <laughs> it is. I feel behind. I don't want to do this. <laughs> I don't know where to start. I don't like talking about myself. This is excruciating. Tell me what to do. That cover it, Emma? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Okay. <laughs> well, before we get to that, Malcolm wrote to the shortcuts at gmail.com with some feedback on a discussion we had on how medical schools are missing their their diversity goals entirely. Let's hear from Malcolm. I listen to the podcast every week and I really enjoy what you all are doing. I particularly enjoy the conversations about diversity in medicine. The only thing I think that conversation is missing is more of the minority perspective. As a frequent listener and a minority medical student, I would greatly appreciate the addition of more minority perspective in diversity. Again, love the podcast and everything you all do. Thanks, Malcolm. I appreciate that feedback. I, I, I made sort of an error during that show when I said that, I mean, sort of an error. I said most of the people in that particular show, we were, most of the people in that room were white people. And, you know, that was true. AJ, you were there and, you know, I, I don't know if you want to give me an out here and say that. I am brown. Yes, you are. You're a brown boy. <laughs> And Aline is Middle Eastern, mm-hmm. but I get the point. And I, one of the things that I struggle with on the show, yes, Malcolm, is wanting to attract diverse voices without going around to all of the black people I know or brown people I know and saying, hey, you're black, you're brown, pee on the show with us. Because I'm not sure that that wouldn't appear to be sort of tokenism on my part. But I totally agree. You know, and that wouldn't be my reason for doing it, obviously. My reason is actually, you know, and diversity is important. It's important for the podcast. It's important for the college. It's important for medicine. So I totally agree. This is something that I struggle with all the time. But anyway, anybody have anything to say about that? I feel like, yeah, we, we had kind of a consensus at the end of the, um, at the end of the discussion that 
<clears throat> we didn't want to put anyone of color that we knew in the position to have to represent all people of color. But I do love the feedback and it's not something that we are unaware of and something that we want to work on. The question is just how can we do that in a way that is sensitive to that community? Yeah. Yeah. And, and recognizes that and that people of color aren't like one monolithic group that are all the same. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. How to represent even discord. I don't want to invite people on the show to represent their entire, you know, ethnicity or their entire, their entire race, which I, it's not a great word, but ow, look at that. <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> Just stab myself. This is the second time today I've stabbed myself with that. Uh, I'm going to put that over there. <laughs> yeah. Drama. The hospital's right there. Drama okay. on the Short Code Podcast. <laughs> Stabs himself with a pin. Um, but you're, yeah. So, you're self-flagellating in a modern I know. <laughs> Curse you, Dave, for not being diverse <laughs> enough. But anyway, yeah. Something we're working on. I have ideas. I always have ideas. We're going to see how they work this coming semester. Well, and I do have one thing where I'll put some dissent towards, um, yeah, like one person of color doesn't speak for their entire race or ethnicity, but representation is also incredibly important. Talking about your own experiences as a person of color, as any kind of minority, whether that's race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, gender identity, so on and so forth, there are bound to be people that want to go down the same path as you with similar experiences, similar backgrounds. So even if you can't speak for an entire group, it's important to get your stories out there because you never know who may also be having the same thoughts, exactly. going through the same experiences. And the more that we get that out there, I think that's a powerful thing. Even if it may seem like you're tokenizing a group because they're talking about their experiences, there are plenty of people that are happy to share their experiences openly yeah. about being a minority. Well, that's the plan for the coming fall. But I've sort of passively tried to make it known that we welcome all voices because that's kind of, that's felt like the safe thing to do. And we do have multiple voices. And the other thing that I struggle with is not everybody is identifiable as a member of a minority group just by the sound of their voice. I guess that there's nothing I can do about that. You know, like we just have to do our best. Yeah, I was just gonna say like, I know there are a lot of people that are really doing work to to be the voice for their communities and to talk about tr like really trying to talk about diversity and stuff who like maybe like could be guests yeah. or something like yeah i agree absolutely yeah. i wanted to piggyback real quick on the comment that you made about how it's not always discernible you know who is a person of color and like what their experience is and it reminded me of uh, that episode where we talked about people living with chronic illnesses in med school. I mean, there were a lot of people who wrote in talking about like dealing with things that were completely invisible to the average person, but like, you know, maybe they take medication or they have something in their past that they're still working through. And so um, that's the only comment that I would make is that, you know, we, we do have diversity on the show. It's just not super obvious yeah and and a lot of people of color and a lot of minorities go out of their way to blend in and conceal their immigrant stat you know obvious i'm just we don't have time for subtext i'm kind of talking about myself you know when i first moved to this country um 
I remember having an accent and I didn't hear it at first. And then now Can you that, do the accent now. Can we hear it? No, it's just. <laughs> that's the worst. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Put her up in you know. form for us. Yeah. Dance, dance, my buddy. Okay, I'll dance. tell you, I couldn't hear the difference between beach and bitch. And uh. so I sometimes confused, uh, like would say bitch when I meant beach. It's really embarrassing. Okay. But, that's fair enough. You're um, like, something, something, something. Yeah, right. Here. I have the same thing. Mine's um, yeah. like a. a Pawn, I can't say a pawn shop. I can't hear the difference between that and pawn. Uh, <laughs> I say them the same way, and I'm like, why yeah. do they? They're why very, do they? Yeah. They're somewhat different anyway. Somewhat. Yeah. Not, not in my <laughs> head. Like I would pronounce those two words the exact same way. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would say, I'm going to the pawn shop. <laughs> like if I was gonna go, I'm gonna go pawn my belongings at a pawn shop. <laughs> yeah. So that's um. Yeah, that's a real thing. There, there are things people do to blend in better, to fit in better. And like, and that was the way things were for a really long, like the, this whole thing of like, no, we celebrate diversity. We want people to like looking for people who look different. That's very new. That used to not be cool. <laughs> like immigrants historically have wanted to shed their immigrant identities. They wanted to get rid of their accents, get rid of all the ways in which they, you know, are different because they, they want to fit in. And so so this is a long way of saying that like you know those those people are represented on the show but we're at this interesting intersection i think in a period of time where like it's cool to be different but you have this mixed population of people who are you know kind of from the older days where like it wasn't cool to be different you know and i think within cultures of organized medicine it's still there's a risk in some ways of being different yes or talking about experiences and you know ways in which you did or did not fit into the expectations and so i think that's a consideration too like what are what are you asking people to be willing to risk by going on the record and talking about these kinds of things so true well, I think even just the way we talk about the United States as a melting pot of cultures, like it's sort of expected that you are just going to give up and change and morph your own culture to like to become mixed into this idea of American culture. Like it's sort of like expected. And if you don't do that, then you're not patriotic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really hard to nail America down because there's of everything and of every opinion. And there are some people who love that and they really love the fact that people can come here from wherever they are and still be that thing. They don't have to, there's not one stereotypical American culture, but then you have the other side of the coin, people who like want a lot of assimilation. They don't want a lot of mixing of cultures and I guess diluting of cultures. And in Americans' defenses, a lot of immigrants are that way too. <laughs> like I can, I can point to a lot of people who are like, if I marry outside my culture, my parents will disown me, you know? So yeah. like, it's a it's a it's a human thing it's a human thing not necessarily a a thing of one country or another well i i just want to say malcolm thank you for the feedback i really appreciate that totally valid and uh, see what we can do uh kate yeah let's talk about personal statements as a small part of your work here as we said you help our medical students with personal statements that they will use during their application to uh, residency programs. Yeah. Students love personal statements, as we've already said. Yeah. Love them. Love them. It's like the best thing that they do. Love it. They're into it. You've looked at a ton of personal statements this year alone. What do you think makes an effective personal statement? I wrote, I did this the opposite. I wrote, I wrote what you told me, which is all the things that you shouldn't do. Dance for me. Okay. Monkey. Okay. (laughs) Start with effective. Okay. Effective. What is, what's the goal? Okay, that's a different question. Yeah. 
To me, the goal, I think one of the misconceptions about personal statements, and this might be a little different for those who are writing them for med school, and we can talk about that, and you all did that, so you'll maybe know more than I do. But I think we think for residency, and as you think about residency, it's why do I want to be in this specialty? And it's really then that ends up being a statement where you are describing a specialty to people who are professionals in that specialty. And it really needs to be more, why are you going to be good in this specialty? Why are you uniquely suited for this specialty? And that means that you have to talk about yourself specifically and with confidence and detail and nobody likes doing that it's very awkward well i mean yeah i think we're kind of socialized to be self-deprecating or at least at least not you know brag about ourselves all the time and i always you know like to tell people like this is your opportunity yeah You, you have probably three or four times in your life when it's okay in fact encouraged for you to talk about how great you are. How great you are. But it's complicated because it's med students who are used to being at the bottom of a particular totem pole and who are in a particular position who are now being told, assert yourself and say that you're great going into a specialty that you are just beginning to get to know. Yep. But that's the way it works. So in a good one and an effective one is one that, that does that with detail and with evidence and examples and with specificity. Is there a general way to think about what med schools and what residency programs want their applicants to write? I think this is a good question. I get this question all the time, which is, what do they want me to do? And I'll say even here among program directors, we got a bunch of feedback last year and we've talked to lots of faculty and the opinions are very different. Some people, one person told me last year, I asked my mentor what my personal statement should be like and he said, brief. And I was like, well, okay, that's one particular position. (laughs) And others are like, well, I asked my faculty mentor and they say it's the first thing they read and I annotate them and bring them into interviews. So I always feel like the truth is we don't know. You don't know. Every, you know, different people are going to have different opinions in terms of what it should be like and whether or not it matters and how long it's allowed to be. So why not just make it really good and make it something that may really help you? Middle of the road is probably okay and not going to hurt you, but it may actually help you and get you interviews. And last year... We found that that happened, right? That people in interviews asked about stuff in personal statements when they were well done. So it's an opportunity, I say. You know, I uh, spoke with Megan, one of our admissions and enrollment coordinators. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned, you know, I don't know if this is the same for med school for med school interviews. Here's what she had to say. So there is no secret code. We want to know your story, why you want to be a physician, why you want to go into medicine. So I'd say don't ask yourself, does this sound good? But does it communicate why I want to be a physician? So use examples and description. Bring us into your story. Talk to the committee. Let them hear your passion. That's really what we're looking for. You know, I see folks who who forget that the goal is to tell us why they want to be a physician. So they'll talk about points that really aren't relevant. So they'll talk about how they're a marathon runner and getting into med school is like running a marathon. But then they forget to really link that back to why they want to be a physician. So they get caught up in the analogy or example. So that's something we see a lot. Another mistake we see is that folks will spend a lot of time with cliches or generalizations. And that really puts distance between you 
and the reader or the committee member who's reading your application. So when you say something like, from the beginning of time, healthcare has always been important, that actually puts distance between you and the person reading your statement. You're not bringing them into your story. So take some time to delete those lines, anything that doesn't sound personal, but sounds more generic, cross them out and get back to your story. It doesn't have to be one light bulb moment. I think students get caught up on what was the magic moment where I knew I wanted to be a physician. That often doesn't happen, but instead it's the culmination of a lot of different things that you've done over the years that has shown you that this is the right path for you. We certainly don't want you to get into medical school and then realize that this isn't the right path. So you have to show us that you've done the work, that you've been in front of physicians, that you've put yourself in front of the professionals that you want to become, and that you know this is the right field for you. Any of that uh, sort of jive with what you tell med students yeah i mean a lot of that a lot of that's the the stuff i prepared on this fancy piece of paper is you know not being generic not you know there's a lot of hedging language i read that's like i always tell students i see a lot of i find it very rewarding to have uh, established trust with patients and this kind of language rather than i establish trust with patients here's how i do it like uh, that same sort of like hedging and distancing lots of generalizations even more probably than just cliches because there's so much common clinical skills language like compassionate listening and you know like all these kinds of things and everybody puts them in and I think it's because you have such a small amount of space that you think that's a shorthand to something that means something to a reader but it's actually it's basically rendered meaningless because we hear it so much and so I always say everyone does like communication differently actually say what you do and be specific and make it about you and not this sort of like generic clinical skills kind of language so it's similar stuff i think the big difference is that when you're going to med school it's why do you want to go to med school and an indication that you understand it and when it's residency it's more like why are you going to be good at this because you've been doing it to some extent or been in a clinical setting to some extent so you can say what you're going to do that's going to make you a good resident specifically in this specialty so i think that's the only thing that's different and that it's cohesive like what she was saying about like the marathon or whatever I think there's like random stuff in them a lot of the time or there's like what reads as coincidental paragraphs that just are like stacked up but don't have anything to do with each other. And so I always say you ha- they have to be there have to be causal relationships between the different paragraphs and the stuff you write about so that it's actually one narrative and not a bunch of random like stuff about you that doesn't seem to go together in any way. But a lot of that's similar kinds of things that we work on with students. So I had a question for you about mm-hmm. that. So, and, and you sort of touched on it. So like how important is it like balancing, finding your like authentic voice and putting that into your writing, balancing that with like technical writing skills? Cause I've been doing the scholarship essays recently mm-hmm. and like I was really struggling for a long time trying to get it all technically nice. And then it didn't really feel right until I'd like really put my your voice into your voice it. and then it sort of flows a bit is that like yeah. relevant in their personal super statement? relevant i mean i think that's another thing you'll get different feedback on some faculty might be like this is too creative mm-hmm. and it's too narrative or something and i'm always like go narrative you're a human let's put the human being in the language and otherwise it reads as a statement that could be any student mm-hmm. it's like there's no person here this is information so I usually think that voice is one of the more important things because it makes it sound like there's a real person there. And that's what I imagine a personal statement should be. Otherwise, it would just be a cover letter. And it's not 
really just a cover letter. It's a story. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, you know, this came up last summer when we were talking about these and talking about interviews, which is Dr. Hugstall here said, you know, you do all this learning and all this memorizing and all this training for all these years. And then you're told now tell your story and figure out what your narrative is and how you're going to tell that in interviews and all these kinds like, of things. What now? And you're like, now I get to, <laughs> now I get to be a full person with a full identity and <laughs> hobbies and stories. Um, and so I think it's a place to start to introduce that. And, you know, it's an introduction to what you're going to talk about in interviews and what your story is. And one of the really interesting pieces of feedback we got last year from program directors that I tell students all the time is that it's important that the personal statement in the application match the interviewee. And that if there's a disconnect there, it indicates like some sort of strategy at play or something. And it's hard to establish trust when there's strategy something strategy is like for some reason i mean i get it yeah it's like what med students strive for right what is the right strategy uh, emma <laughs> i gonna put you on the spot emma and i just talked about her statement what yesterday emma yeah 24 hours 24 ago. hours ago so this is delightful for her <laughs> did you think you had to have a strategy like i need to to do it in a particular way or were you willing to just open up I didn't really think about a strategy. I think something that I was thinking about when like going to write my personal statement is that like when we were applying to medical school, like the personal statement was really important. It felt like when applying to residency, I think this may be changing, but it seemed like people were stressing the personal statement less. Like I remember Dean Cooper saying at one of our class meetings that I think it was him. 95% of personal statements are like just fine. They won't like super help you and they won't super hurt you. And then there's 5% that are outstanding. And 2.5% of those are outstanding in a good way and 25 are outstanding in a bad way. And so I guess that was a little bit comforting in that like most personal statements are just fine. Like it doesn't really help you that much. And so I tried to remind myself of that while I was like giving a shot at my first draft. But I think that might be changing a little bit, especially with like virtual interviews and like COVID and changes in board scoring. I think that people are relying more on the personal statement. So, and I think I don't know if that answered your question. I think there's but more, I didn't really have a strategy. I think there's more than that that are good, and I think the good ones can help you. But that's just my defense of writing and the importance yeah. of narratives <laughs> and stories. So, it's an yeah. extreme bias on my part. <laughs> I, I want to touch on the alignment of the applicant with the personal statement with the interview. I agree with that immensely, that your personal statement has to be a true reflection of who you are. And your application, you shouldn't be trying to game the system to not be authentic with who you are. Because when you get to the interview stage, if you're not talking about what's on your application or your personal statement and you're talking about who you actually are at that point, your interviewer is going to be a little suspicious of you, like you said, like gaming the system. And I kind of ran into that when I was applying to med school. My pre-med advisor told me, okay, you have these things on your application, these things on your personal statement. And this is in no way, shape, or reflection on my advisor's uh, experience. They're actually really, really good. But when I got to the interview at first, I was talking more about my hobbies then as somebody in their gap year than, and my interests than what my application was when I was still writing it up during undergrad. So being able to foresee that and see how you change as a person, being able to talk about those things smoothly when you're actually at the interview stage is a super, super important point to think about when writing the personal statement. 
Yeah, and I, I'll also say like along those lines, something really important that is maybe the conversation I have second to you have to talk about yourself, which I have to have, we have that conversation with everybody, is questions about what can I include and what should I not? So like personal stories, identity information, particular equity work, like these questions come up all the time and people are trying to anticipate how those kinds of things are going to be read or valued or judged. And it becomes really complicated because students will often feel like, well, I want to go to a program that's okay with this, but I need interviews. So like, how can I negotiate that? And how can I anticipate Mm -hmm. what to expect in terms of how forthcoming I should be about either my own identity or my own experiences or my own intent to pursue a particular kind of justice in my work, especially. And that's a really tough conversation. The one thing I'll say as people think about those things is it's case by case. Everybody's comfort with it is different. Everyone's risk is different. And so people ask that question in general ways like, do I talk about my own mental health diagnoses, for instance, or other things like that? And I always say it's case by case. We need to talk about it and figure out what your story is, what you're comfortable with. Do you want to discuss it in an interview for six months straight, you know, or not? That's um, a really good point. Like you, you're um, going to get asked about it. Do you Are you prepared to talk to strangers about it over and over and over again and things like that? And so I will say there's not any one format or formula or strategy to in terms of AJ's point of matching and kind of really being true and authentic in it there is no answer it's different for everybody and some are really comfortable talking about it and some are really hesitant talking about those things Listeners, if you ask us a question, it means that I don't have to make something up to talk about on the show. And the show becomes what you want it to be. So send your questions to the shortcoats at gmail.com or leave a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. We asked program directors last year, what do you look for? Do you read these? What does it matter? And we got really interesting feedback. And one of the other really common things was I'm looking for self-awareness and and insightfulness in terms of what is going to be required in this specialty to succeed. And do you feel like you have those qualities? Mm-hmm. And so some that level of self-reflection that's kind of like I do know where what I'm good at and I can articulate it and put words to it, mm-hmm. which, again, is a thing that you're not necessarily doing throughout your training and like being told is going to be important and so this like thoughtfulness self-awareness and insightfulness about the specialty are was one of the things that came up again and again and I think that really you can do that you do it with specificity so you get away from that generic language when you're talking about strong communication with patients you don't just say that we say what does it look like what do you say to them what's an example of a time you did it well how can we really reveal something about you in particular that's basically idiosyncratic right another thing I always say is someone who knows you should read this without your name on it and know it's you it should be specific to that extent to Mm -hmm. you and that's going to reflect that like that kind of thoughtfulness and Mm -hmm. specificity that people are now all of a sudden looking for as you are an m4 I think that's something for like students like m2s and threes who are starting the rotations you could be working on is like I I kept a note on my phone and it's called like memorable patients or something. And every rotation I would go through and write down a few patients that I like, I liked interacting with, or I learned something from, or that I just wanted to remember. And I didn't use that when I was writing my first draft of my personal statement. And I feel like I need to go back and look at it and use that for example. So that can be something that students could be doing now to like kind of prepare to be more introspective and conscientious. You know what that sounds like? Parallel charting. Yeah. 
right? Yeah, yeah. Parallel charting is something that's a tool of narrative medicine that's essentially write the things about a patient experience that don't belong in a chart, but that were impactful or in some way formative or instructive for you and or for the patient and kind of like like actually what the experience was rather than just what, you know, is supposedly belongs in a chart. And I think along those lines too, Emma, I'll also reiterate something that Megan said, which is most people are thinking, like I, I had this conversation this morning with somebody, which was the drama is not high enough in my personal statement. Like the plot is not interesting enough. And the truth is the plot is usually not interesting. And in terms of like a high stakes conflict written more explosions in this personal statement (laughs) yeah Um, Uh, but people ask that all the time like it feels very boring and these are run-of-the-mill experiences and i'm sort of like yeah you're in med school it's gonna be that's like what you would expect and it's conformity is the point (laughs) well and like it's probably not gonna be some really high risk dangerous like situation that you were in the middle of you know like helping fix that's probably not what it was and it's also doesn't matter like what actually matters is the way you write about how you responded to that moment what you learned from that moment or what that moment reveals about you it can be a moment studying where you were like captivated by some part of the body and that's it you knew and you were you were done for with that specialty it's much more about the part that you write about yourself than that the plot be like dramatic and high stakes so those everyday and plus i always say too like you're going to you're the rest of your training is going to be full of everyday moments. It's not going to be rare diagnoses and high stakes procedures, probably. So why not write about how much you love the day to day and write about it well? And that's going to be much more persuasive. So you don't have to seek those like epiphany moments or whatever. That's just feels forced usually when that's what yeah. people write about. Yeah. I and mean, Megan said, you know, the light bulb moments are you know, aren't actually that common. Right. People always think they need to look for them, but it's not that big a deal. Right. You know, I want to, I want to piggyback off something Kate is pointing out that you can really adequately express how important even mundane moments, if you write about it well enough and talk about the impact it had on you. And it, it seems like the trick to good writing and I guess good writing personal statements is like, can you can you put the reader in the same moment that you were in mm-hmm. and make them feel what you felt, even if it's something as simple as like, yeah, this I never forgot this person because they were a World War II veteran, mm-hmm. you know, and there's not many of those around. Right. And like what they said and what the small details were. I always will also just say too, like in any kind of writing, if when you're writing and drafting, you have to not worry about like length and polishing and editing. One of the other things that med students tend toward is they're hard on themselves Y'all are hard on yourselves and you edit and polish as you go and you worry about your language as you go. And you also worry about getting to the right length because someone tells you it needs to be short. And so you self-censor the whole time you're generating new content. And then it's hard to get into those like actually really authentic moments or those specific details because you're self-censoring. I'm not looking at you specifically, Emma, to in- imply anything. You're just the person who I'm making eye contact with. She's lying. She's talking about you. <laughs> it's just something I always say. I was just actually write freely. Like this is a f- the chance in med school to actually say what you want to say and use your voice and tell your story and let's find the meaning in that. We'll revise later. And I think that's a really important thing. And it's not always the uh, default med student mindset. You know, you're really speaking to a critical missing piece of our education because you're right we we don't really do any of that at any point unless you know and there's some very enterprising students that seek out those opportunities mm-hmm. like take 
You're take humanities elective. classes. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> and like they're available. And and if more people sign up, then that gives Kate the ability to go to the med school and be like, hey, give me more class time. There's a high demand. <laughs> <laughs> Let but, me teach more. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you're right. You know, you go through med school having to adopt a certain mindset and behave a certain way to succeed. And then at the very end, they're like, all right, now flip the switch and be a human again, not a robot. Right. But like, what a missed opportunity for, for and I'm not talking specifically about CECOM, but like for med schools in general to incorporate little pieces of that along the way so that it's an iterative process mm -hmm. or like a process that builds on itself. So that when they come to this point, they, they've been preparing for a marathon their whole med school and now they're about to cross the finish line, mm -hmm. right? As opposed to like, hey, you're running a marathon tomorrow, good luck, right? <laughs> and you've never run in your life. Yeah, and you I know? think there's this perception that something called reflective writing is like sort of a waste of time and it has a bad reputation and I understand it sometimes deserves that bad reputation. It's not always done well. It's often often not done well but the truth is it's a way of establishing and putting language to your identity that's what it's really supposed to be for and especially when you're going to have to do that with something like a professional piece of writing like a personal statement and then like extensive talking about yourself in an interview to communicate that you are confident and competent and you know yourself well um that's like that's a high ask and so i think thinking about it as identity constituting work where you're figuring out who you are and what your story is in the context of medicine and medical education is a better way to describe it than like reflect on your feelings and you know nobody wants to do that nobody but isn't it a skill that's gonna gonna help us as physicians to be better physicians and to like cope with those situations that I don't know, to just be able to go away and like reflect on what happened and, and like figure out how, like, I don't know. I think, I think we're thinking the same thing. What, what was, what the thought you provoked as you were talking is it's so much easier to help patients tell their story if you know how to tell yours mm -hmm. and articulate for them maybe things that aren't, maybe they're not able to articulate and like can't, can't even articulate and are not aware of. But if you're good at that already for yourself, then it's a thing you, you're right. It makes you a better doctor. It really does. What were so. you going to say, AJ? I have two things. First of all, Kate's Humanities elective has made me become a much better writer. 11 out of 10 experience. Highly recommend. <laughs> I really want to do this. Wait, plus, is, plus, plus, plus. Is there one in the spring? Yep. Every semester. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't know about this. Because you're exciting. busy. You're an, M, you're an M1 being, you know, being an Hammered. M1. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You're, I mean, and you, you have a life, you have a whole life outside of med school that is unlike many others yeah. uh, with your children and your family. Yes. And all those kind uh, of stuff. Yeah. Also, also would be why. All right. Sorry, AJ, go ahead. Oh, no, this is great. So second thing is we're all talking about this reiterative, reflective process and how we can put that into words. But one thing that I think that a lot of people see this or hear this word and their eyes glaze over. But one of the most helpful things that has gotten me through getting my thoughts out and actually being able to communicate with others effectively, my, convey my emotions, my experiences is journaling. Mm -hmm. I think if more med students journal throughout their time in med school and their clinical experiences they would have a much easier time starting the personal statement because then instead of that being their very first time they're doing reflective writing, it's just another day of journaling, except this one you actually had to look at and rewrite again, maybe. Yeah, I was going to say something. good enough that you'll 
put some gold on the first time. I was going to say something similar about, you know, when you mentioned parallel charting before, you know, you can do that as an undergrad too, when you're preparing to yeah. apply for medical school. I mean, the whole point of doing those shadowing experience and the clinical experiences, the whole point of that is to make sure that you understand what you're getting into mm-hmm. and that it really is what you're getting, what you want to get into. And so if you're taking notes as you go through that of the things that you experience, in a sense, journaling, then you're going to have that to draw upon when you come to sit down and write your personal statement. Hey, a lot. I hate to bring this up, but does anybody remember wellness passports? Yes. Uh, of course. Uh, Each of you the wellness passport. <laughs> I Everybody, like I don't they're, know if they're gone. I made them go away. Oh, are they gone? <laughs> they're gone. Oh, I like them. Yeah. Well, everybody complains yeah. about them, but it seems like those are kind of, I don't know, trying to force us to be a little bit reflective. So maybe, mm-hmm. maybe if we like gave them a chance, they would have been a little bit helpful. Here's the totally thing I think did. with reflective writing, there has to be a point and the point has to be clear and explicit. And it has to actually be more than just have an experience and reflect on it for the purposes of a reflection. I don't know how to describe to you the purposes of reflection. That is not helpful. (laughs) I don't know if that's why I'm not criticizing the wellness passport specifically. I don't, I was not a student and I didn't do it. I'm saying in general, there's a lot of reflective writing that's done that way. And it feels pointless. I think that if you explain and talk to students and say, you are negotiating a new cultural experience, a new educational experience, and it's forming your identity and going to shape what your career looks like. There are ways in which thinking through your experiences with some intention and kind of like a critical creative lens will allow you to understand that better. And it'll allow you when the time comes to know what specialty you want to go into and how you want to talk about that, as well as like how you understand yourself in this new context. And I think it needs to be really intentionally done or it's going to feel like busy work that people don't want to do. But I think it has to have that really clear intentionality behind it. And it is kind of the same thing as what you're doing essentially when you figure out what your statement is going to be and what you want your career to be. It's why so many of the meetings I have with students end up being really long conversations about their lives and what they want their future to be and what they're struggling to figure out and what their questions are and their doubts and all these other kinds of things. I want to say also, we haven't put this on our website yet, but I want to tell you all about Jane Persons Humanities Distinction Project that she did really quickly because it's very similar to this and it will eventually be published on our website. I think it'll be okay that I say this because she gave me permission to make it public. Um, She set aside an hour and a half every week and she had, I think, an hour or something of quiet reflective time and then she wrote for half an hour and she did it for a year during med school. And it's she wrote about what was going on and what it was like and what her questions were and what she was struggling with and what was exciting and what was terrible. And then after that, she went back and did kind of a text analysis of her own journal and looking at her identity sort of shaping and changing and what was going on and wrote about that and created this paper and project that was doing exactly what y'all are talking about. And I think it was very helpful for her and like helped her figure out what she was experiencing kind of in real time, but also later and helped her know what she wanted her life to look like as she headed off to residency. And she did it for her humanities project and we're going to, we'll put it on our website eventually, but it's a cool thing to check out and to see, you know, what the possibilities are. I just wanted to highlight of the, all, all the wonderful things you just said. I think at the very end, the, the thing that stuck out to me the most was like the, the happiest people are the ones who make choices that are right for them, that mm-hmm. align with their vet. Like, and we talk about burnout a lot on the show and it, it seems like everyone has a different, I guess, they're, 
different schools of thought about where burnout comes from, but it seems like one universal thread is behaving or having to do work that's not in alignment with your values is what leads to burnout. Mm -hmm. Loss of control. Yeah. yeah. Loss of self-determination agency. agency. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it like everything you're describing sounds like someone taking control of who they are and like not taking control. That's not the right way to put it, but like really making a, an intentional effort to figure out who they are mm -hmm. and then basically gathering information about themselves that they can then use to make the right choice for residency, yep. which is so stressful for people. You're talking about the foundational concepts of, I think, why there's a humanities class in medical school. So even though we're, this was about personal statement, it's really similar to what we teach in the advanced elective, which is who is control in control of your story? Are you in control of it and deciding what it is going to be? Or is the institution you're a part of in control of it or other people in your life? And who's getting to make those choices about what your story is? And that is identity forming. It's going to change. It has material consequences. Your job, your access to resources, your grades, the letters you're going to get, like all of these things. And it has to do with who's narrating your story. Mm -hmm. And some people, especially people who are in historically marginalized groups, have even less control over their story and what's allowed to be a part of it and so these are really important things that feel i think often fluffy and on the side but they're sort of like the core of what constitutes what your life's going to be like so even though the personal statement is excruciating to me like i said i wasn't kidding when i say i love these meetings and working on them because it's helping students figure out what their story is and how they're going to own it and what kind of agency they want to have over what residency is going to look like and that's kind of a big deal were there um, were there other things that people do? Yeah, that um, that, they that you have to that you have to say. Well, maybe we should, you know. Let me see what I wrote down. I mean, the biggest one is not liking talking about themselves, and so doing this hedging and this passive language. And mm -hmm. um, I, you know, my my favorite example of this, and everybody knows this example, is I think or it seems like mm -hmm. or it appears. I hate that. Yeah. Um, and that's the same as the it's rewarding. It's important. I see value in that's the language I see in statements rather than I do this and I do it well. Let me tell you about how well I do it. I always feel like that sort of language gives a subconscious clue to the reader that there's an argument to be made here. Right. Or like or something like I I think that I love this because blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Do you really? Is that yeah. is that what you think, or is that the truth? Yeah, and I get it because it feels it's hard to be assertive, and certain people are especially conditioned that they're not supposed to be assertive. Like med students, are y'all allowed to be assertive in your educational mm -hmm. context? Usually, not not usually. Yeah. Women even less yeah. so. You know, like there's there's ways in which it feels uncomfortable, and that's why I always say. So here's my tip. This is a strategy. You, you show us and you in action. You show us, you give us an example. And it can be like, all my patient interactions are like this. Or this one specific impatient that I wrote about on my note on my phone that I remember. And, and you say, like, here's what happened. Here's what I did. In order for me to succeed in that moment, I had to bring my bring to bear my skills of really listening carefully, not interrupting, letting the patient run the story and decide what was going to be important, even if that was in conflict with the healthcare team, and then advocate, which meant finding a diplomatic way to talk to my attending and say, we have to deal with this rash, even though there's a cancer diagnosis on the table. Like, 
And that's what I did. And in order to do that, I had to be confident. I had to be this. I had to be that. Like, so you situate it in the context of a story or a thing that happened and articulate, here's the skills that I brought that allowed me to succeed rather than just saying, I'm amazing. I'm smart. I'm competent. You know, like that's weird. And so yeah. you, you sort of like situate it in the context of succeeding in either a moment or a sort of collective moments of, let's say, working with patients. And that yeah. is show it. Don't tell it. Yeah. And like yeah. still articulate it and be specific. I will say in personal statements, I usually say be more explicit than you would be in other writing usually because otherwise you might be leaving some room for misinterpretation of what do I want you to get from this story about me. In personal writing, we usually leave that space for reader interpretation to invite the reader kind of into the story a little more and make their own conclusions. But I don't know how much you want program directors drawing conclusions about you. <laughs> Filling in the gaps like, based I would on just, whatever their experiences Yeah, and been. same with yeah. the admissions, you know, be, be like fairly explicit. But yes, demonstrate it and couch your wonderful qualities and traits in the context of stuff that's happened. And then it's not quite as uncomfortable. That's my advice. You know, to add to that, which, you know, as a non-professional, like I, everything you're saying makes so much sense. And the other thing I wanted to add is it seems so much easier to advocate and like not boast. I'm having trouble articulating it right now, but when you're doing it on someone else's behalf, yeah. it's so much easier to stand up for yourself and be assertive when you're doing it for someone else. But right. it's really hard when you're doing it for you. Yeah. You know, like if I had to shout at someone for my mom, I would. Yeah. I was going to say, it. have your mom write your personal yeah, yeah. statement. You know, <laughs> if someone was trying to work my mom over with a big car, you know, car repair bill, I'd be like, listen, we're going to have a problem, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you keep doing this. Yeah. But if someone tried to screw me over with a big car, bill, I'd be like, Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, what are we going to do? You know best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, well, you know what? That's a, another, another, like, I don't know if I told you this one, Emma. I tell, I've been, I've had a lot mm -hmm. of conversations yesterday, but I tell a lot of students too, if you're having trouble figuring out how to say how awesome you are and what you're, did I tell you this? You're nodding. Yeah. Like I, I was going to, I was going to say it if you didn't. <laughs> you say it. You say it. I'm talking too much. Um, well, now I hope it's the same thing. Um, if you're having difficulty, <laughs> if you're having difficulty, like figuring out like what your strengths are, what um, you think is unique about yourself, like think about the mentors you've worked with or attendings that you really admired and what characteristics you admired in them, because you're often, or you're probably going to try to emulate that yourself. Right. So yeah, describing somebody else who you think is really great. And then it's like, it's easy to give them all the compliments in the world and mm -hmm. put all this specific language to how good they are at what they do. And now you just can co-opt it and apply it to yourself. So it's a way to get to those details if you ha are having trouble boasting about how great you are. Is it okay yeah. to talk about your failings? That's a good question. I, I would say exactly like the, you know, potentially... I don't even know what the right word is because in my, from my perspective, there's no controversial story that a person could tell. It's all part of your humanity, but a story similarly to, you know, talking about your own identity, let's say, or your own backstory, it's case by case. So I think some students feel like I absolutely have to address something that happened during med school or something like some, that. Some screw up, some yeah, you know, bad grade, whatever. something like yeah. that. Yeah, you know, a leave of absence, whatever it might be. Challenging yeah, this, situation. A challenging this situation, comes up a lot. A hardship. Yep. It comes up all the time. Because, let's face it, we all have challenging yeah. situations life in our lives. Life continues while you're in med school. And right. it's, it's yeah. tough because students don't feel like they hadn't always necessarily feel like they have that leeway and yeah. they have to explain it or justify it with some context. So... 
sometimes students choose to and we do it and again i'll say it's case by case it's and we, we have long conversations about like what do you want to talk about what do you actually want to say and what do you want to just stand for itself i think one one successful strategy is to say these things these experiences are absolutely an asset these things taught me so much that I never would have understood if I hadn't gone through this hardship and to, and it's a strength and you want me more because of it. And let me tell you the ways in which I am changed and more successful because of whatever it was. And I think that's actually usually true as well because we learn lots of things about ourselves and we have these experiences and it's not just about resilience and getting through it. It's about how would this change the way I'm going to do medicine and think about my own training and things like that and really standing behind all of your experiences with what a kind did you, of confidence. What did you learn? Yeah. What did you learn? How did it change you? And again, like how, and, and I've seen people use really strong language. Like this was an absolutely necessary thing for me to have gone through to get where I am today. I would never be as good as I am today if I hadn't had this happen. And so you really like, I'm glad it happened and sort of own it in that way. So it's like what you learned, but also how you're going to take that knowledge and use it going forward in the, the future. Yeah. And I think it, it gets rid of any sense of an excuse or a sense of shame or a sense of anything like that around it. It's more just like, this is a part of my story and I'm a human being. Let me talk to you about what that was like. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a persuasive way to tell, to tell those stories. And some people don't address it. They'll sort of say, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about it with detail and nuance in an interview. And that's where I'm going to handle it. And that's a choice some people make. They feel like they can't address it sufficiently in a very short statement or in like written language. And so they choose to just wait and address some of those things in an interview. Any other things that you want to draw our attention to? Things not to I do. could talk all day if you can't tell. A little bit of a chatterbox. <laughs> well, we do here. have a special we treat. This is so great. <laughs> we do have a special treat, maybe two, uh -huh. that I want to get to. But mm -hmm. yeah, I want to make sure it. that we... Uh, no, I could talk all day about student stories. It's my favorite thing. So she'll cut me off. All right. Well, well maybe you can come back for a second episode. <laughs> yeah. This is so, so soul feeding to talk about this. So. <laughs> I love this. No, truly, truly. You should come on the show more. Uh, anytime. I would be happy to come on anytime. I mean, your office is right there. I know. It's, it's, I, you, <laughs> I'm usually eavesdropping anyway. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. So the aspects of the curriculum that... Um, that we do learn like reflective writing. Like I feel like it's not just the wellness path, but it's also in our ECE reflections and in early clinical experiences. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And our parallel projects. I feel like I've come across it a lot and I feel like personally it's helped me become a better writer. My experience was mainly just with science writing and trying to piece together mm -hmm. other people's facts where it's really helped me to actually put my own thoughts, not just down on paper, but even like, talking about things that are important to me and like reflecting on things. I'm trying to think of what my actual question was now. <laughs> so do you like, how is that? Is that like a hidden curriculum thing and who like des decides to put that into the curriculum? Yeah. Do you, I, don't I mean, I can tell you a little bit about what I know here. There's, there's getting to be more of this humanities thread in the preclinical curriculum so it, this year in the last fall, I did a lecture on story and the relationship between yes, story and power. Okay. And that was the first time that we had done that. And then we're expanding that to lead it into some content around experiences of shame in medical yes. school and the ways in which. <laughs> no, it's so needed. Yeah. So needed. Sarah's like, I'm ashamed. Yeah. Yeah. No, 
Yeah. <laughs> we're all ashamed. That's I'm the point. I'm not ashamed to be vulnerable. No, that's so right. important. And, anyway. to, and to not just focus on resilience strategies, but to say, why is it like this? That we're in an environment where so many students are experiencing shame and isolation. Yeah. Not guilt experiences, but actual shame experiences. And can yeah. we talk about our learning environment and why it's like this and sort of identify what's going on? So we are doing that. And that's sort of situated as a humanities component. And then there's other things that'll come in the, the semesters after. Most of these are in mass for now. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's a hard case to make sometimes that, that there's a place for this when there's so much science-based content that people feel like needs to be what's addressed and what is at the center of things. Humanities is entering the conversation more, I think, generally nationally in organized medicine, but it's peripheral still. And it's hard. That's why I say I might like sort of hackles go up in terms of like reflective writing a little bit because it has such a bad reputation as not being rigorous, not being serious, not being Mm -hmm. central to y'all forming your identities as about to be physicians, but also just the way we move through the world. And like we are narratively based creatures. We should understand it. Right. I always Mm -hmm. say in caps and in your clinical skills class in the beginning, you get this piece of advice. Listen to the patient's story without any description of that's why we added that story Mm -hmm. lecture. Like what is a story? It's a very complicated curated censored edited full of lies full of shame kind of object that is fluid and fully attached to the person's identity who's telling it we should think about how that is but also especially for you all what's going on with you and your stories as they form during your medical education because you are going through through a culturation process and a transformation process that is so intense and constant and relentless and this happening, this stuff's happening to you. And this is one yeah. of the ways that you could kind of get control over it a little bit and like understand it a little bit better it would be through this kind of story and writing and also just like having the structure to talk about it in a way that's really intentional mm-hmm. and not like open ended, write a reflective thing and like. That sounds nice. I don't know. It needs to be more directed, I think, than that. So I don't know like quite the answer. That was really rambly. Oh, I love it. But um but that's what I think would be is really helpful yeah. for people as they navigate this experience. Yeah, I totally agree. I think not just for me, but like I've spoken, I've got other classmates that really found that lecture on empathy and tort storytelling, like really, um, really encouraging and really um, like inspirational and have really like taken some important things away from it. But I think it's, I agree. I think it's so important because like I think we talk about empathy but it's really and I know I haven't done my clinicals yet so maybe I will see it more in practice but I I think it's something that people recognize is important but it's not I think it's something that's harder to put into practice in our current system of healthcare Mm -hmm. that we it's not um, well defined either yeah yeah you think you know what empathy is but I mean, one of my favorite things to do at the beginning of a class is like have everyone define what they think it is and what reading books has to do with it. And it's very messy and no one quite knows what it is. And the other thing is like to actually do it is very, very, very difficult. It's not easy to sit in the position of someone else's experience that is in conflict with your own. That's a very uncomfortable thing to do and like validate and honor that position. And so I think thinking of it as something that's incredibly intellectually and creatively challenging is more helpful than just assuming we're all going to do it yeah. when we talk with each other. Agreed. Yeah. Because yeah. I think we talk about we talk about shared decision making or I've read about shared decision making as like a gold standard now for a patient physician relationship. But it's so hard to do if you're not 
well, you can't really do it if you don't have that good idea of what empathy is and how to how to yeah. express it. And it's not intuitive. Yeah. There there needs to be more instruction. You can't just say the thing. You have to actually show how to do it. Yeah. Right. And I yeah. promise I'll stop after this so that we can taste test. But okay. I also think the other thing is that we don't we talk we need to talk a lot about power dynamics yes. because 1, exchanging yeah. stories has everything to do with who owns the story and who's the expert in the room and yep. who has the power over what is going to happen here yep. and that is not an, an equitable relationship in a clinical setting even between students and attendings between patients and attendings and so like if we're not understanding how power dynamics work and how they're deeply wrapped up in stories then we're missing a little piece of what's actually happening in real time as well. Shortcoats, if you're enjoying our conversation today, I'd be grateful if you'd let people know by posting a story on Instagram or Facebook or tweeting about us. And don't forget to tag us in your post. Thank you. We have a thing for you. There's a thing? Yeah. So we got a little something for you. A lot of people, a lot of students got together and got a small gift. It's a very small gift, but it's just something to show you appreciation for everything that you do for students and for all of this, for your open door, your open mind. I think a lot of students come to you with their challenges more than we tell you. So we got you this. Dave is opening an envelope. The envelope has- It's a giant- A giant card in it. Thank you. There's more inside the envelope, but yes. Thank you. The card. Uh, People have written on it forward to looking through that and then there <laughs> what is this <laughs> we commission so one of the other med students um zane Mehdi, is that how you oh, say yeah. his name <laughs> yeah so he yep yeah we commissioned a a, a portraiture of you <laughs> that is fantastic wow. i gotta punch in on this mm-hmm. i don't know if- no zane made that yeah he yeah he did it himself wow uh Yay, Dave. Thank Yay. you. Uh, Thank you for everything that you do for every, for all of us, I'm for gonna, all the students. I'm, I'm going to plot. <laughs> so I was debating whether or not to, so You're remember that, date. yeah, remember Thank that you. day where I was like, hey, so I have to get a picture framed. What, what do you recommend? Just, based people on your do this aesthetic? to me all the time. <laughs> people say that. I remember when I was getting my, uh, I, just before I was married. Yeah. Uh, getting ready for the the ceremony and friend who was staying over before the ceremony uh, we, we were like shopping for stuff and she's like oh I need to get a picture frame and she's like what do you think of this one I'm like nah, I don't like it next day I got the picture frame with the with wedding pictures in it she's, she's like see fucker <laughs> well you have you have very unique taste and so I didn't want to you know go and get something you didn't like and I was trying to be sneaky but I figured you know, you, you, we figured you could frame it any way that you wanted. So thank you. So I, I'm okay. I think AJ, AJ was the one AJ. who everybody, yeah, everybody, thank you so work, much. That is, I'm, I'm stunned. We love you, Dave. Thank you. Oh, okay. You're very loved. Okay. Guys, I've made no secret on the show of my preference for savory foods over sweet foods. And we've experimented together over the years with different ideas on that theme, such as my savory toothpastes, my instant oatmeal with Parmesan and Sriracha, and other things. Um, Kate's like... Marmite. I I live in fear. Um, Today we're going to try something different. Bet you might. Uh, I asked my colleagues, yeah, you're from New Zealand, aren't you? Australia. Australia. And the UK. And the UK. Okay, so yeah, you're all into the Marmite and the... It's like a 
It's a toss up. I mean, no, it's a Vegemite. It's a okay, Vegemite. I asked my colleagues in the short coat test kitchen, that is me and my wife, Christine, to whip up some new ice cream flavors that we're going to try today. Kate, reach behind you. Uh-oh. And there should be a yellow bag. Oh, my goodness. Um, Wait, ice cream? Is it melted? Well, it, uh, it's, no. it shouldn't be. It's I in hope an not. insulated bag, okay. it seems. So. Okay. Uh, we're going to try these today. Now, I know you're worried. First of all, anyone here, anyone in the room, I'm sorry you can't partake of this, AJ, especially after that wonderful uh, gift, because you really deserve to be here to enjoy this brown-breaking <laughs> moment in ice cream history. <laughs> anyone in the room with food allergies? Okay. Mm-mm. That, no, but there also are four cups, so you're tasting these as well. Well, I already have, but okay, I'm, I'm happy to do that. You have that. to suffer right along with I'm us happy to again. do that. So I did not set out, just so you know, I did not set out to create disgusting things. Mm-hmm. I have done that oh. before. Oh, I don't know that I can scoop. That's, oh, that's, that's, a, that's a lid. That's an auxiliary oh. lid. Oh, okay. There you go. Oh. And there's an ice cream Very scoop confusing. right over there in front of the printer. I did, not se- I did not set out to create anything disgusting, and I think we just succeeded in not making disgusting things. Uh, these are all actual food flavors, flavors that may surprise you as to how good they are. So uh, you're using the one container, right? Mm-hmm. The number mm-hmm. one ice cream bin? Yes, my, the extent of my you mathematics figured it out. is matching numbers to numbers. You figured it out. I think I did that. So for each of these three potentially magical flavors, you'll try them and then I'll count down from three, and everyone will say their guess as to what it is at the same time after you've had a minute to process. So go ahead, have a... I'm just, can I oh. say I'm so excited? Cause I don't know, I'm glad we've got headphones on cause my stomach was rumbling so Oh good. <laughs> so, like, um, sorry. I hope it's good. <laughs> Quick question, does this have bacon in it? Oh, yes. yes. I, I'm it gonna d- have It does not to... have bacon in it, but it does have flavor. Oh, okay. All right. No, Wait, no, no. I mean, it, 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 you don't, you, if, you, if you're not into bacon, you do not want this. No, no, I just, I don't eat meat. Yes. So okay. don't. Okay. So don't. Right. <laughs> Meat ice cream? I'll have a spoon too. Oh, yeah. So we'll have to rely on Kate and Sarah on this one. While Alina is in the corner being morally superior. <laughs> this makes me very nervous. Any impressions that you want to, without giving away the um, your answer? Yeah, an impression. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm so hungry. It tastes delicious. <laughs> Come on. I think, it's, I think it's pretty good. I think it's good. What am I chewing? I mean, I saw Meaning. the bacon bits, and I was like, yeah. oh, I definitely can't have this. But Bacon ice cream? What is going on? Tastes There's like... going to be something else in there, too. Orange? Like it. a fruit, yeah. What is it? Okay. So you've I, you've clearly disregarded all of my instructions <laughs> to the, the one, oh, two, three sorry, thing. Sorry, sorry. I um, forgot about the instructions. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't listening. <laughs> That's fine. These things never go the way I think they should go. So you've said bacon, not quite. Uh, this is melon prosciutto flavor. Mm. Now that you know, okay. Can I eat it all? More disgusting. It's not. Would you like mine? <laughs> I, I did not touch it. I swear, I didn't touch the spoon either. All right. Oh shoot! Is it good? Do you like it? I think it? it's good. I think it's good. Chilean. I think it's genius. AJ, what do you think? <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, so those pixels are delicious. Keep sitting <laughs> <sending them>. <laughs> <laughs> What do you like? What, what do you think about the, the idea of prosciutto ice cream? Be honest. Uh, I also don't eat meat. <laughs> um, well, it's, I, I mean, you. a lot of people will like wrap pieces of like uh, yeah. honey melon, right? Right, right. right. yeah, yeah. With cantaloupe. Prosciutto. Yeah. It's, okay. cantaloupe, it's a key yeah. pot of charcuterie. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Let's try number two. Okay. 
Now this uh, this will be fine for you, Aline. Okay, perfect. Yes, I I don't want to be left out anymore while I'm waiting. Okay. Yeah. Oh, what about the free. scooper? <laughs> Should I rinse off the? Oh scooper? yeah, you just wipe it off. Oh yeah, yeah, well, that's. It has potential meat. Oh yeah. No, that's that's, true. that's okay. That's okay. We could use a. Could we use another one of the little spoons, or is it too hot? No, you know. No, you no, no. That's. Can. That's more than okay. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you for taking care of Aline more than I did. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Did you not see the card? You take care of me plenty. <laughs> but thank you, Kate. I appreciate you. Are you are, are you alarmed? Are you alarmed something. by how it looks? I'm alarmed by the fact that it looks like veggie cream cheese. Oh. I, I'm colorblind. It is uh so I'm not really entirely sure what color that is. Okay, there's an herb. I see. Yeah, it's herb the herb in and the the green onion looking things that are weirding me okay. out. Right. It could be basil. Okay. Now, you, give us the instructions yeah, again. I was say, oh, all right, so, yeah, what we're going to do is we're going to taste. You can talk about your your general impressions, but don't mention specific things, just for fun. Maybe we begin? Oh, okay. Yes. Try not to lip smack into the microphone. Oh. <laughs> now, this is an ASMR podcast now. You oh have to. No. <laughs> no, that's a hard, a hard no from uh, Kate and Sarah. Well, it's too weird. It's too close to like a, what it's supposed to taste bagel? like. But yeah, there's Sorry. definitely onion in here. Uh -huh. Okay. All right. Have we had a? Have we had a moment? Are we ready to three, two, one? No, what wait. We, what do we do at the end of three, two, one? Say what you think it is. Okay. Say what you think the flavor is. All right. Ready. Three, two, one. Tomato basil. Oh, tomato. Sun-dried tomato. Oh. It's like tomato basil. There's some basil in there. What did you say, Aline? Did you say anything? I said basil. onion and basil, okay. yeah. It's pizza. Yeah. Oh. Very close. This is the most American kind of thing on earth. Right? <laughs> what kind of pizza is it? It's Margarita. just, it's just like pizza. It. It's just it's just uh, pizza sauce and some extra basil and oregano because... I really okay, think so that next time there basil. should be recordings from the test kitchen where you are coming up with these and executing. <laughs> this, this we, we came up with these over days. I had more ideas, um, but they didn't make the cut. So, like, like you know, hot dog ice oh. cream what is the matter with you? We, I wanted things that... Well, I discarded it because I wanted things that potentially could be good. I had wasabi ice cream one time in a restaurant. They, like, sold it. Yeah. So that was yeah. kind that of... sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't okay. good. It so was I've talked about this last flavor on the show before. So if you remember, like don't say anything. I mean, I'm still eating it. It's not bad. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're still eating it. Kate's mad that I like. You're this. still eating it because it's gross. Is that why? Is that why people continue to eat things? No. I mean, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say, before you taste this one, that this is the one that started it all. The one that made us think we might be ice cream making geniuses. Honestly, there's something wrong with you, Dave. <laughs> what do you think? Oh yeah, this is this is definitely onion ice cream. Yep. <laughs> Three, two, one, people. Oh, I don't know I why. Think I, this is... I don't know why I went back in for a second bite. You? Uh... <laughs> I don't know why. 
<laughs> so I'm the only one. Me and Christine are the only ones who like this. I think your, good. your title of genius is being retracted, <laughs> take, taken away. <laughs> I think it's a testament to what sugar can overcome. Yeah. Uh, it, means, it means like crackers or something. Yeah. Oh, that makes it like a cheese spread. <laughs> crackers. Which is, yeah. All right. A waffle cone. I don't. Do we need to three, two, one? This go ahead. Three, two, one. Onion. It's caramelized onion. Isn't it, it is caramelized onion. Yeah. How did you know that? Well, it's got a sweetness. Ugh. That's a good point. I think this is the best flavor. I like the first one definitely. Of these three horrifying two. flavors. Yeah, is... of these three, which is the best? One. The prosciutto melon. Yeah. That makes All right, sense. I could buy that. I could buy that. As long as you don't get a prosciutto bite, now you're chewing your ice cream. Oh, I think I think that's fun. Mm. If, if you get. If you, you're far more adventurous <laughs> with your desserts you, than I am. If you have, what if, about uh, cookies? Like yeah, no, like, and that cookie dough. It's not pork. It's not a true. salted pork <laughs> in my ice cream. So chew it though. We we did consider. I did want to add in mozzarella to the oh. to the pizza one. Oh, what yeah. is the? Somebody take away your ice cream. But Christine Christine had actually tried that for some reason in some other context, and she. I found that it just became like well, super hard. Well, this is the worst part of this yeah. whole story, which is that she'd already done it before, which just tells it tells us all that this is a pattern. You know what's funny when you, she's, ha- you had when an opportunity that, to, to figure out that this was a very yeah. wrong thing and a slap in the face of God. When she <laughs> when she said that, I, when I was like, "Here, I brought some mozzarella," she's like, "Oh no, I've tried that." Did not even occur to me to be like, "Wait a minute, you've, you've tried done that." that? Because- so that just goes that just shows our dynamic, <laughs> our. Wait, before you're, you're or after you guys knew each other? <laughs> like, did you have this machine and it's plausible that she could have had this idea when you weren't around no, no, and no, went, I'm going to try this and this then is didn't a tell new, you. This is a new... Uh, we, we, we have had caramelized ice cream several times in the past. Caramelized mm-hmm. onion? Caramelized onion ice cream several times in the past um, that she's made. To me, it's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's solving a problem that doesn't exist. <laughs> Yes, you're like, actually, you that's don't. a very good point. Who's sitting around going, I wish I could find a way to marry my love of onions and ice cream. Carmel- <laughs> caramelized onions are delicious and have their place. They don't need to be turned into a soft dairy dessert product. Um, there was literally a SpongeBob episode about this. He is ugly and he is proud. <laughs> what about a caramelized onion cheesecake? I reckon that would be really good. See, I think, Sa- I think you know, Sarah hasn't agreed with everything I've put on the table today, both literally and figuratively, <laughs> but she's the most open-minded. I'm not open-minded at all. That's our show. AJ, Aline, Emma, Sarah, Kate, thanks for being on the show with me today. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And thanks for the lovely gift. And what oh. kind of epidermal cyst would I be if I didn't thank you, Shortcoats, for making us part of your week? If you're new here and you like what you heard today, follow the show wherever fine podcasts are available. Hers will be there too. Uh, our editors are AJ Chowdhury and Eric Bozart. Alex Belger is our marketing coordinator. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine student government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities program. Our music is by Dr. Vox and Catmosphere. I'm Dave Etler saying don't let the bastards get you down. Talk to you in one week. Hi, short coats. Look, life in medical education, life in America, life in the world is often difficult. And I often wish I could help. All I have is this podcast, but 
In my wildest dreams, you have the support you need to lead a life of your choosing. You deserve to be happy, healthy, and successful in whatever ways you define those words. So if you need support because you've experienced racism, discrimination, harassment, mental health crises, I want you to be able to get the help that you need. And so I'm going to put some links in the show notes to some resources that you can use. But the bottom line is that for what it's worth, I see you. I know you're out there. I wish I could do more. Maybe I can in ways that I don't understand yet or know about. But I see you and I'm glad you're here and other people are too. 